Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Well, good morning, church. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you had an opportunity to worship this morning and a reminder to get your communion supplies ready. This is an absolutely beautiful day as we gather together. No matter what the weather is outside, it's always a beautiful day in here because we get to gather as God's people. And so give thanks to God for you. And let me, let's, let me just tell you, we've talked about this a number of times. I miss you all so much, so terribly much. And I know you miss each other. And we're working on ways and trying to come up with ideas about how we can try to get safely back together in some way to give you a chance to be with one another as a church. And so just know that we're working on it as a staff. We're doing everything we can. And uh, it means so much that you're sticking by and uh, and rolling with all the punches. It feels like we get punched all the time. Like we're like, uh, what's that? Mike Tyson said, uh, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. <laughs> feels like the church got punched in the mouth, man. This last year has been crazy. So thank Thank you for sticking with us. We're doing the best we can. We're going to keep at it. We're going to keep finding some ways for us to get together. This week, we're reading the story of Jonah, right? And we're going to be looking at all four chapters, but I promise you it won't be a long sermon because of that. We're actually going to fly through the first three really fast. But I'm reading through through from the NIV. It's one of the different translations that we've got in our translation wall here of different, um, different Bibles. And in chapter one, It is so much of the story. It's probably most of the story that you're used to listening to in Jonah. God calls Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and speak to the people, not not just a little bit, but to give them a fullness of a reckoning and preach against what they're doing because the wickedness has come up before me. And basically God's saying, I've noticed that the things that they're doing are leading them in a terrible, terrible way. Jonah, I want you to go and tell them to stop. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, all right? So he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He was actually wanting to leave and go in the opposite direction. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Well, he does. He gets on the boat. He starts going down and heading in the direction that he's going. I don't know how far he gets. Let's say it's like halfway. All of a sudden, the storm craziness comes up. And the guys that are on the boat and were just like, Hey man, he's asleep down below. He's like, what, what, what is you? How do you sleep through this craziness going on? And he's like, ah, I don't know. I ran from the Lord. Is where they cast lots. They find out it's Jonah. That's the problem. You guys know the story. He's like, just throw me overboard. They throw him overboard. The, the storm calms down. And then all of a sudden, gloop, a great big fish comes and picks up Jonah. And he's in the belly of his whale. That's chapter one. Chapter two is him, him praying to God. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from the deep and the realm of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, the interesting thing about this is that whole chapter pretty much is this prayer. And then at the very end, and the Lord commanded the fish, I kid you not, this is the words, it's in the Bible. So, you know, if your mama gets upset because I said this word in a sermon, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. And the Lord commanded the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. So then when that happens, chapter three is he goes to Nineveh. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he goes and does what the Lord said. And he seems to be somewhat frustrated about it. But whatever it is, he goes and said, and then it says that the city, the whole place changed their ways. They changed their ways. Right in that moment, they changed their ways. And then when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and not bring, uh, did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. All right, so that's chapters one through three. You're welcome. That's the cliff notes 
Fantastic, you win. Now this story is not, isn't just about Jonah running away, all right? It's not just about Jonah running away or the boat people coming to faith because when they threw him off of the boat and the storm calmed, they were like, oh, the Lord your God is God. It was amazing, uh, this amazing moment of all this conversion of faith. And it's not just about the whales swallowing him up. It's not just about the praying to God inside this awful beast and or whale vomit. Again, not my word. It's in, it's in the Bible. It's also about chapter 4, which ironically is the end of the story. And the story ends kind of abruptly. I'm going to read you chapter 4. It's crazy. It goes like this. This is Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. So he did what God said eventually. And then God's word changed the people's hearts. And then God did not punish them. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? This is what I tried to foretell, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love and a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it's better for me to die than to live. <laughs> Could you imagine? And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Because he was expecting, maybe, hopefully, that God would still blow him up. And the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it to grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. This seems like a messed up story, but I'm going to keep reading because it's amazing. Which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's the end of the story. It ends so abruptly, right? I mean, as you're reading this, you're thinking, oh, by the way, this is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Yeah, you got it. It ends so abruptly. And in this story where Jonah is gone and done what he is supposed to do finally, then he's super angry about it afterwards because it didn't go his way. It didn't go the way he wanted it to. And it's almost like you were listening to like a record or a song and rip, like the needle gets pulled. That's for, for you young children. That's an old device called a turntable. Two turntables and a microphone. Also, that's too old for you. Let's see. It's a record player. Those big black disc things, right? It's like a needle getting scratched across it and the story just sort of stops. So here I am reading this story. Amazing story. Really, if you think about the people of Nineveh and what this means, I mean like the, the Nineveh as a whole was incredibly large. I mean, it is huge, vast, vast land. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing turnaround. And here Jonah sits, 
ticked off because God showed them mercy. He said, isn't this what I knew you would do? I knew you were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I knew you were full of grace. I knew you would turn and you wouldn't actually destroy them. That's why I didn't really want to do it. That's why I wanted to go and delay this whole thing and walk away from this call and make it take longer than it needed to because I just knew you were going to do the thing and you were going to bring about grace. He was so resentful and so frustrated. And then he goes and sits and waits and watches and here Jonah sits. You ever get in that little pity party <laughs> when things don't go your way? You know who you are. Some of you are pointing to somebody else in the room right now. You get in your own little pity party. Somebody's got a pity party in their room. Somebody knows what somebody's sitting there. When things don't go your way, how many of us, think about this, how many of us are exactly where you thought that you'd be in life? Exactly where you thought you'd be in life, say 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Exactly where you thought you'd be in life. Are you doing exactly what you had planned to do? Uh, I remember when I was in high school, you know, and like they would be like, or middle school, as a matter of fact, um, that they, they would ask you what they would predict what, you, what, what they thought you were going to do, right? And they put all these things up and, and, and they put me that I was going to be an entrepreneur in Fairview or Triune, Tennessee. Like, they're like they were like super backwoods parts of Tennessee that were reasonably close to Franklin where I grew up. I still have no idea what they even mean, except for maybe the entrepreneur part, which I kind of get. But are you where you thought you would be? I mean, exactly in the job and the relationship and the situation that you always wanted. Is everything working out perfectly is exactly how you hoped and thought it would? Life takes twists and turns, doesn't it? So why aren't you doing what you wanted to do? Doors closed or different doors opened or maybe you hated it once you started it or, or there wasn't enough money in it or you, maybe you didn't work hard enough in that one particular place you were supposed to or you failed that one class or you know your relationship wasn't as healthy as it should have been or maybe you weren't as healthy as you should have been. Whatever it is. We point our fingers a lot, sometimes at situations, sometimes at people, sometimes at God. And there we sit, miserable and frustrated, just like Jonah, wondering, where am I going to next? I'd just rather die. <laughs> Anybody like traveling? Y'all like traveling? I love traveling. I've always loved traveling. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we could do that? When you could like go from place to place, travel the world? I used to love it, as a matter of fact. And uh, one of the things that I used to get into really when I was a little kid is I... I actually, I kind of thought there was a possibility I, for like at least four or five minutes that I would be a cartographer. Do you know what a cartographer is? A cartographer is one who makes maps. That's right. I thought I'd be a map maker because I loved to the idea of exploring until I realized that you were just making maps of things that had already been explored. And so that wasn't quite as cool as I thought. But my grandpa, he was awesome. He, he used to pull out this thing called an atlas. Children, that's a, it's a book of maps. That's what that is. It's a, it's a book of maps. <laughs> And we would talk about places and he would point to different places and ask if I'd ever want to go there. And he would tell me a little bit about these places. Maps were always so interesting to me. Uh, when I was growing up in, in an elementary school and in, in middle school and probably even in high school, they had maps over in front of the chalkboard. Some of y'all I know this is, this is resonating with where you had like a chalkboard. Children, chalkboards are these big black boards where they would draw with actual chalk in the yeah yeah we're old but they had maps that would roll up and you would pull them down and then they would be able to talk about a map and then you would you know like a shade you would put them back up children shades are these things that you I, i'll leave it alone <laughs> i want to talk about maps for just a second now in chapter one jonah wanted to go away from that calling right now 
from where he was when he was called to go and speak to Nineveh. Nineveh is about 500 miles away. Yep, long distance. I get it. But from where he was, it was 2,500 miles to Tarshish where he decided he wanted to go. Think about that for just a minute. 500 miles to get here, five times longer to get away from God. How often we choose that harder path, right? Just so we can do our own thing. We make it so much more difficult. It would have been easier and faster to just go where God wanted him to. Jonah isn't just choosing to not do what God called him to do. He's actually making life harder on himself. It's like my children. My children, I love my children. My children are probably watching this sermon this morning, so don't judge me too harshly as your father for talking about you. But, but my children will come up with a thousand ways to not do the thing I ask, right? Like, go, go clean your room, and then you can go outside and play, right? It's 15, 20 minutes later, I'll go up and check on nothing done in the room. What, what was going on? Well, there was toothpaste on the counter, and I had to wash the toothpaste up. All right, well, that wasn't the job you had to do. You just had to clean your room. Well, you said clean my room, so I thought I would also clean the bathroom. All right, but you, but you, didn't, but you didn't actually clean your room. You just got the toothpaste. And as a matter of fact, there's still toothpaste on the counter. Why is there toothpaste on the counter? Well, I got a little distracted because there was a book that I wanted to read. So I read the book. Like, dude, all, all you have to do is clean your room. Like, you don't have to clean up the toothpaste. Well, well, how was the book? Did you enjoy the book? Well, I only got through one page because I got distracted because I left some toys out in the hallway. <laughs> Okay, well, but there, but I stepped on the toys when I came upstairs. There's still toys in the hallway. The book is only partly read. There's still toothpaste here and your room's still dirty. What happened? Well, I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, now you got more jobs because you didn't do what I told you to do. You need to clean up the toys in the hallway, clean up the toothpaste, put your book away. Man, now you got more jobs. We do that too, don't we? I mean, we do that. We know what the calling is and we still decide to go in another direction. Then we blame God when we get frustrated. Like God says, go here, do this particular thing. This is my calling for you. And we're saying, I don't know, God. There's other things that I think I'd much rather do. We do that too. Somebody in your house needs to hear this. Look at him right now, poke him in in the shoulder and say, Jonah, (laughs) Jonah. But God, even though Jonah had gone in this other direction, traveling 2,500 miles away in the wrong direction, gets thrown off the boat, and God sends a whale to bring him back and put him in the right direction. Now, I preached on this like a year ago. I, I, I loved that sermon. It's called, What's Your Whale? And uh, if you really want to go down deep into the whole whale thing, pull up What's Your Whale? It's somewhere on Facebook. You might be able to find it there. But one thing that bugged me in this story, and I'm going to bring this back up, that I had always read that the whale was like, chaos and was like destruction and was like death right because if you fall off into the ocean you get swallowed up by a giant whale right like then you're probably dead because you know whale and you're inside it and it's three days right but i've always read that in that particular way but it's actually the whale that's saving his life it's keeping him from drowning in the midst of that water and chaos i always read the whale is like a prison but it's actually the vehicle that gets him back on track. It puts him in the right place. As a matter of fact, God didn't abandon Jonah at all because God provided the whale. It's not to say that it was a pleasant experience, right? Imagine you're in the belly. I think he even describes it as this place of death. I reached out from the belly of death. Wet, hot, constant motion, stink, dark. Yet there it is that Jonah comes back to life. 
It wasn't pleasant. The storm or the whale. But sometimes, church, I'm going to talk to somebody this morning, but sometimes it's through the storm that God is working on you. Sometimes it's through the storm that God is working on your situation. Sometimes it's in the storm that God is working on your timing. And sometimes it's the whale that seems like the worst part of the calamity that brings it to fruition. I'm going to read you another story from Mark 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. We're going to read the NIV again. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but here's verse 19. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. All right. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, Thanks be to God. Can we time out just for a second? Can we time out? This, these stories, every time I read them, I can't just like go on past and be like, oh, it's so amazing. You know, Jesus just walked up and then they, they walked with the Lord and they were with the Lord and it was, they were disciples and they got to be sitting at his right hand and his left in the heavenly throne and they're at the Last Supper where, where that one dude painted them and, the, and, and everything's wonderful and perfect and magical. And no, this is crazy. Think about this. They're going to their normal job to go about their day and everything is fish in, fish out, sell the fish, clean the fish, whatever, clean the boat, clean the nets. These other guys preparing the nets, which means they're making sure they're working right, making sure they're all in the right place, getting them ready to go in. And here's Zebedee, whose sons are working with him, and this guy comes along and says, follow me. As a matter of fact, it says, without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Means half his forest maid just walked off. See, Dad, I'm going to follow that dude. Could you imagine that moment? I mean, how crazy of a moment that is, not only for those disciples, but for the people that are watching. And think about poor Zebedee, who's stuck there in the boat going, huh? Huh? Imagine this. And then on top of it, the story is even better. Because the fishermen, we've talked about over and over and over again, the fishermen are not the most adept, Okay. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. There's a reason that they're fishermen and not doing other stuff. Fishermen go out, they get the fish in the boat, they bring it back. They go back out, they get the fish, they put them in the boat, they bring it back. They get the fish, bring the boat, bring it back. This is what they do. This is their life. They are not necessarily the sharpest tools in the shed. Now to follow a rabbi, when a rabbi comes and calls you and says, follow me, we know this. A rabbi would only call the best of 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 the ones who every, you know, everybody starts out in rabbi, in rabbi training, right? And the ones that don't, well, he didn't quite work out. He's going to be a mailman. Uh, ooh, God, he, he didn't work out. Right? He, he's going to be in the plumbing world. It's gone then. He, oh, he, didn't, he didn't work out. He's going to be an airplane pilot. It's not that they weren't great. They just weren't the greatest. But to be following a rabbi, you had to be the greatest and the greatest of the greatest. And here they are, fishermen rejects then they got their dad's business to consider right because they got dad's business and this is what dad does and this is what our family does and i go and i show up and i help dad and we do this thing that's kind of what we he's not only leaving their livelihood but they're leaving their father the one whom they love there in the boat there's so many reasons to say no when jesus walks up i i, I can't leave the business and i can't leave my dad and i can't I'm not good enough. They'd have been told for a long, long time that they weren't good enough. 
They weren't smart enough. They weren't the kind of people that would get called by a rabbi. And then you get Jonah, the prophet of God. Go and speak to the people of Nineveh. Mm, nah, I'm not doing it. And then I think about us. What happens when our plans disagree with God's call for us? Y'all have heard this story before, right? Here's the answer. Doctor and patient, right? Patient goes in and talks to the doctor. Doctor, my arm hurts when I do like this. Doctor says, how long has this pain been happening? Well, every time I do this. So, so when you do this, it hurts, right? Yes, that, that, that's that what makes my arm hurt. Then stop doing that. <laughs> And your arm will stop hurting. What if the frustration you're in right now, church, is because God is calling you to something else? What if God is allowing you to be frustrated a little bit so you won't stay there much longer? A colleague of mine said, God won't let you find comfort in complacency. That'll preach right there, man, when you're sitting in that complacency. God doesn't want you to be comfortable in that. So maybe you're not broken at all. You're just unfinished. Come on. Woo! Maybe God is working on you in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the valley. That story keeps coming back. You know that story where the guy's on top of the house and he's like, God save me. This flood's coming all around my house. I'm standing on my house. This flood's coming. I can't get off my house. God save me, right? All of a sudden, this log floats down. It's a huge log, big enough to be a whole boat. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. That's not for me because God said God's going to save me. So that's not it. Not the one. Some guys come by in a boat and they're like, hey, man, uh, let's get you off the roof, man. Get you over to safety. Thanks, guys. God's got me, though. God's going to save me. God's going to do a thing. Helicopter. That's what helicopter sounds. Comes in and he's looking up at the helicopter and he's like, oh, that's amazing. It's really, I can't keep They're like, sir, would you get on the ladder? We're going to send down a ladder for you. And he's like, I'm good. God's going to save me. You catch the irony in all this, right? Our stubbornness sometimes leads to our stagnance. Our stubbornness leads to our stagnance. If you're feeling stagnant, stuck in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a rut, check on your stubbornness. Because maybe it's that God wants your attention. Maybe God's not done with you yet. Hmm. Because here's the good news. We hear it in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then we hear it also in Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, from the beginning to the end of Scripture, the message is the same. God calls, God provides, God will see it through so that we prosper, not stagnate, so that we find joy and fulfillment, not emptiness, so that we feel grace and mercy, not pain and judgment. That's who God was, who God is, and God who always will be. Amen. It reminds me of the story of David and Goliath. You remember the story of David and Goliath? He goes over to the stream and he picks up what? Do you remember? He picks up five stones, right? Now, he only needed one, but that's a whole other sermon. We'll talk about that in a time. But he picks up five stones. And do you remember what the scripture says? It says he picked up five smooth stones. Why did they tell us that? They told us that so that we would understand a little bit about what God had been up to. How long does it take for a stone to become smooth? A couple days? A couple weeks? Years. Maybe even millennia of being in that river, waiting. Those stones were waiting 
for David. God had been at work on this a long, long time, providing what David was going to need. He just needed to wait for the why. <laughs> All right, Pastor. I get it. But why me? Why me? Why would God call me to anything? Just like the disciples, I'm not good enough. Just like Jonah, I feel like kind of saying, nah. I have another colleague, he hits me with great questions. He'll text me and he'll be like, hey, I'm dealing with this thing. He's uh, younger in ministry and, um, and, and hit me with questions about theology or about a practical thing. And he'll just be like, hey, I had this thing happen um, and I'm not, I'm not really sure what to do about it. And the other day we were talking and, and one of the things that he said was, I, I don't understand why it is that I get these questions. I don't, I don't know why they're coming to me. And here's the thing. People are reaching out to him because he, the person who he is, is part of the answer. God's pre preparation in him was waiting for the why about when he was going to use that hurt that you have, brothers and sisters. God didn't bring that hurt on you. That's not how God works. But you might be waiting for the why and the when to use it. The frustration that you've been feeling and whatever that maybe that job or that relationship, whatever that is. Think about Jonah. God picked him. Why did God pick Jonah? Because God knew that we needed somebody to resonate with. <laughs> we needed somebody because calling, callings are hard. And God knows that we all make mistakes. And we take things in our own hands. And we choose our own way. And God knows that we need somebody to resonate with. That's why we have the story of Jonah. It might even be why it ends so abruptly. Because Jonah's just the first part of the story. And we're the rest. Think about this. Why did Jesus call these fishermen? Because Jesus knew that if he picked the smart, adept people that would probably fit, that we'd all feel inadequate for the rest of our lives. How could I follow Jesus? Jesus only chose the best of the best. We'd be working at it for years and years and years and always feel like we were never enough because Jesus knew that leaving our normal path means sacrifice and we needed to see what that looked like through this scripture. God knows we need someone to resonate with. Matter of fact, God is up to way more in these stories than we could ever imagine. God was moving Jonah to a junction, right? A, a holy junction where frustrating men that friction where he sat in that frustration but it needed to have some friction some movement to get him out of the frustration to move him in a new direction a place where Jonah could open his eyes a place where God could do the fullness of what God needed to do remember God wanted to redeem not only a people but God wanted to redeem Jonah God never abandoned Jonah even when he should have brothers and sisters that's the beauty whatever the reason or excuses for Jonah God still perseveres to rescue him and to bring him and an entire people to redemption brothers and sisters Sisters, you are where you are so that God can get your attention. I'm preaching to somebody. Put, touch somebody in your house and say, hey, Jonah, listen up, listen up. So God can meet you in that frustration and bring that friction to help bring you up and out. God won't walk away from you even when you walk away. Come on, I'm gonna say it again. God won't walk away from you even when you walk away. God will still call you even when it's not convenient. Jesus will still want you you even when you feel unworthy so maybe you're not broken at all just unfinished 
One of the cool things in our Christ Kids TV, I hope you're watching Christ Kids TV. It's so much fun. It's crazy stuff. I hear this weird super person in there at this time. He's acting crazy. It's, it's nuts. But by the way, this week, this is really cool. There are five kids that are a part of that production of that that were adopted that were adopted since we've been a church as Christ South. And Christ South's always had a heart for adoption. We have a number of families that have adopted. As a matter of fact, we got a family right now in the Ukraine working on adopting and bringing home their son. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. Well, adoption was always you know, on our heart, Melody and I, my, my wife, Pastor Melody. We were always thinking that we wanted to adopt. We knew that was a big part of who we wanted to be and, and a part that we wanted to be in, in serving and loving people um, in a different way. And, um, and so adoption was on our heart for a really long, long time. But I didn't know what God was up to. So when we were, we had our first son uh, and he was awesome and we're like, hey, he's good enough. We'll, we'll have another one. Maybe he'll be as awesome. And he is equally or better awesome. I'm just kidding. Right? They love that silver in their heart stuff. <clears throat> so we we're thinking about having this child and we're like well if we have a boy well we're in seminary so um he's going to get the seminary name so we're going to call him gabriel because we're in seminary and we're thinking a lot about angels and it'd be an angel if we had a kid so you know we're just going to be an angel little angel gabriel we had our little angel gabriel but when we were figuring all that stuff out we picked two names for girls if we had girls we wanted to have a couple of names just kind of in the back pocket well, we went through a lot of different processes with adoption much, much later on after we had finally gotten into Georgia and Gabe was 10 and we started going through processes and time after time after time again, things didn't work or things didn't quite work out or it wasn't a good situation, wasn't a good fit or, or any number of things weren't going right. And in the midst of all of those things that weren't going right, we began to get a little bit flustered and frustrated. We came to North Carolina, started the processes here and had some difficulty even with some of the processes here. And it wasn't stuff that we were doing. It was like, People were getting fired and leaving their jobs and all this stuff. It was like, man, God, why do we have this heart for adoption? Like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you getting us where we need to be? And we were so frustrated. And some points we just wanted to even stop the whole process and walk away. We got a call from a pastor friend of ours in town who said that there were a couple of girls that might be coming up and available for adoption. They wanted to know if we would be willing to meet with their family and uh, talk to their foster family a little bit about their situation and, and just kind of get to know what that process might look like. And we went and sat down in a Panera Bread. I remember sitting in the Panera Bread and hearing all about these two girls, and how amazing they were and all the gifts that they had and their spunk and their fight and their beautiful, beautiful personalities and who they were and how they lived. And we were listening to all this and we're like, well, we're, we're in love. This sounds amazing. We, we, we absolutely want to proceed in any ways we can be helpful and, and figure out what this whole thing looks like. Here we ask if, if she would be willing to tell us their first names. And they were the two names that we had chosen. If we were going to have a girl, we had our son. It felt like a long time of being in a frustrated place. Sitting in the scorching sun not feeling like it was going the way I wanted it to go, the way Melody wanted it to go. But it just wasn't right time. And God was preparing us 15 years prior, 15 years, by giving us those names of our girls. <laughs> so brothers and sisters, 
Maybe instead of the pity party and the frustration and the anger, maybe just wait for your why. Amen. Pray with me if you would. God, we give you thanks and praise. You are a good God. The God of life, resurrection, hope, and promise. And we give you thanks. We ask, oh God, that you would be with all of those folks who are frustrated today or feeling called to leave familiarity or feeling called and feeling inadequate or just feeling like they're in the midst of the storm or the whale. And God, remind us all that you are at work, that you bring all things together for your good, that you will us to be prosperous. God, give us patient hearts and minds to look to you, to call upon your will. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, and all of God's children say, amen. I invite you to go ahead and get your uh, communion supplies. We'll give you just a minute to do that, and uh, we'll gather together for communion. Blessings. Church, as you gather your communion supplies, I just want to give credit where credit is due. It was spinning around in my head, and I inadvertently quoted Amanda Gorman, and I wanted to make sure and give her credit for the phrase, not broken, just unfinished. Um, It was an absolutely beautiful poem that she read, and I want to make sure that we give her credit. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.